0: Hello and welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast where I, your host, Joshua Gallineto, sit down with successful individuals and brands to talk about topics about learning, building habits and personal development. In today's podcast, I got to talk with productivity guru, Laura Ernest. Having blogged on the topic of productivity for nearly 10 years, we talk about what attracted Laura to being productive in the first place, dealing with burnout and her new direction towards living a deliberate life. I had a great time talking with Laura and it was nice to see someone who knows so much about productivity is secure enough to say that she still messes up with living a productive life. We all fail and it's important to understand and accept that. That's one of the many things that I learned with my conversations with Laura. I too hope you learn a few new things about yourself as you listen to today's podcast. If you'd like to find more of Laura's work, you can find her over at lauraearnest.com. As always, all of today's show notes can be found over on my site at blog. That's G-A-L-I-W-A-Y.blog. I hope you enjoy today's podcast with Laura Ernest. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I've been wanting to pick your brain for a while now um, because when I checked out your site, uh, it was just full of productivity stuff. And when I did a bit of research on you, I found out you've been uh, talking about productivity for over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. How did you get started with, um, with talking and blogging about productivity?
1: So I got started with productivity because growing up, I was very disorganized. And when I got to university, I could not keep everything together. So I picked up my first productivity system there, which was a Manual print day timer. (laughs) Um, And it got me organized. But as I got older and my life circumstances changed, I realized that I'm just essentially a very lazy person. So I don't want to be doing things that I don't need to do, and I don't want to be doing them inefficiently. And so the essence of productivity is doing the right tasks, effective tasks, efficiently. Um, so it all boils down to my utter sense of laziness and wanting to do things, the right things in the best way.
0: It's quite ironic, right? You're product, you're productive because you want to be more lazy. Yes. But isn't that the, cause I know that you're an IT person and you, you're very well versed with machines and computers. Isn't that like a a programmer's mind to not do the same task twice?
1: Yes, very much so. You're the first person that has actually picked up on that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, very much, you know, if I do things once, that's enough. It's got to be repeatable. If I'm writing code at work, I save it because if somebody asks for it again, I don't want to recreate it from scratch. And the same thing happens inside my um, own personal productivity because I develop systems so that I don't have to rethink things.
0: Yeah, it's great. I've actually been dabbling. I've always been, uh, I've always wanted to know programming. and I've always been curious about it. And it was only the start of this year, I told myself, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet, I'm going to commit, and I'm going to try and learn uh, some stuff. So I think I picked up on that because I'm new to it. And I I noticed that that is the mentality that a lot of programmers have. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the You said that you picked up, I don't know what this device that you're talking about, because I remember you said it in one of your podcasts. It was a magazine or it was a, uh, what was it Um, called
1: again? A daytimer.
0: Yeah, what is that?
1: It is, um, I believe the company still exists, but they had a business that did nothing but print planners. And this was in the days before... Philofax, or I guess Philofax was around, but it was basically a binder with pages in it that you could use to plan your day. And along with that, they sent this little booklet about how to prioritize your tasks and how to set out your schedule. Um, neither method is particularly helpful in this day and age. Um, just as having a print planner and rewriting your to-do list day after day is not particularly efficient but I believe they are still around. At the time, um, there was very little else out there as far as productivity because this was in the days before smartphones.
0: I see, I understand now. And so you, you wrote that you've been talking and writing about productivity for so long, but you kind of hit a wall and you, am I right in saying you you burnt out with productivity and then you realized that you don't, really want to talk about productivity now, but you want to focus on a more intentional and a deliberate life?
1: Yes. Um, it, it stemmed from a, a life transition that I untransitioned. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> back in um, 2014, I did the teacher training course in my state and I taught high school math for a year. And then after a year, I said, "Um, okay, so I'm getting paid a third of what I was in IT and people are swearing at me and throwing things at me and threatening to blow me up. I think I'll go back to where it's safe. Um, So we'll just call that a midlife crisis. But (laughs) it was about at that time that I realized it really wasn't about doing the efficient work anymore anymore. And that's what most of productivity blogging and podcasts are about. Everybody's focused on doing things more efficiently. That's where you see the space fill up with life hacks and productivity hacks. Anytime you see hack, you know that it's an efficiency kind of thing. And I realized that it's not enough to be efficient if you're not doing the right tasks. And that's where the deliberate living came in, because deliberate living to me says that I am focusing on the right things to make my life meaningful.
0: That's amazing. I remember listening to one of your podcasts and you pulled up some really cool quotes from Socrates who said, An, exa- an, an examined life is not worth living. Mm-hmm. And Benjamin Franklin said that there are three things extremely hard, steel, a diamond, and to know oneself. And man, that second quote was so profound. And it really is though, right? Just to examine yourself and to spend time figuring out what you want to do, figuring out to, um, that what kind of life you want. What makes it so hard to live a deliberate life?
1: I think that in the we'll call it pre-COVID days, when everybody was so busy, it was almost impossible to get enough time to do the deep reflection that's necessary to know yourself and to figure out what's important. Now, I know a lot of people are now experiencing a lot of downtime and hopefully, I know I have um, spent that time learning more about myself and just writing and journaling and figuring out what is most important to me and what will be most important to me going forward. So I really think the busiest busyness of our pre COVID life was a hindrance to people truly understanding what was important.
0: Now, When you went through this midlife crisis of yours, do you think it was through that time you were able to self-reflect and realize this is not important to me? I want to do X, Y, Z. Was that your time? Your your um, example of what people are going through now in terms of COVID?
1: Yes, to a certain extent. Um, I got into the teacher training because I had this desire to give back, and I would not be where I am today without two very, very supportive teachers when I was in university, one who convinced me that I could do math. And um, it was because of that that I ended up with the degree I did, which is in engineering. Um, At the time, I was a music major, so it was a big switch. Um, And I wanted to give back. So that's why I went into the teaching. But at the same time, I don't think I really thought it through, because teaching in the United States is a hazardous underpaid profession. And I could have gotten to the point where I was giving back using other means. While I was teaching, there was no time for anything else. I mean, it was teachers work 16 hour days here. And By the time I had reached three quarters of the year, I realized that I really didn't want to do this as much as I knew I was having an impact on my students, a positive impact on most of them. I knew that there were other ways that I could give back and do more important work um, without jeopardizing my health and my sanity.
0: So did you go back to the IT world after that?
1: I did. I actually went back to the same company that I was with before I left. They were oh, wow. okay. very supportive of my switch to teaching. Um, the president of the company actually had a daughter in the school that I taught at. And um, when I left teaching and I contacted him, he goes, don't worry about it. You've got a job. When do you want to start? So it was um, it was really supportive of him to be able to let me go and then to take me back.
0: That's nice. And so Essentially, what you went through there was, was that burnout, burnout for um, for the, the world of IT? And again, was that burnout for the world of teaching as well?
1: I think it was definitely burnout in the world of IT. I wasn't doing anything that was necessarily challenging me. And I was just stuck. I was stuck in a rut and everything was getting to be overwhelming, which I know now is a sign of burnout. So instead of Doing a self-reflection and doing a more moderate change, I basically jumped ship into something completely different. The teaching I don't think was burnout. I would probably still be a teacher if um, the administration had been different. But at the same time, I'm thankful that it was what it was so that I could leave and go back and focus on what I'm focusing on. So when I went back to IT, I changed my area of focus and I became a specialist. I had been a generalist before and now I work in the world of data, which is essentially applied math. And I really have honed down what I am working on and learning and it's very expansive and interesting. Um, So I I don't think the teaching was really about burnout. I think it was just recognizing that I could do and be more to myself and others if I left the teaching
0: and regarding burnout so you were saying that you realized that you were not being pushed hard enough and so this time around when you came back to the world of IT you were saying that you specialized and so that gave you that sense of um, a new goal a new a new um, a new environment a new uh, scenery mm-hmm. is that how you deal with one should deal with burnout to change their environment? Or are, are there any other techniques um, that you, you know from experience to deal with burnout?
1: Okay. I've, I've dealt with burnout three times in my adult life that I know of. So I will tell you this, and you're going to laugh because it's very much an IT kind of analogy. Okay. Um, I believe that you can reboot your life. So when a computer gets overwhelmed because there's too many programs open and things aren't working nicely, people will turn their machines off and turn them back on again. And when they come back, you're starting with a clean slate and things generally run better. So I approach burnout from a rebooting standpoint. I actually take a look at everything I've got going on. I close down what I can gracefully which is like a person clicking windows closed. And then when I can't close gracefully, I just switch off and let it go. Um, And when it comes back up, I'm very deliberate about what I take on again. I look at how it fits in with my ideal day and night and week, and then allow myself also to look at the return on investment for any project that I take on. And by doing that, I limit what I'm involved in and I'm generally much happier. Now, I've had to do that a few times. And so I've gotten in the habit of about once a year doing kind of a mini reboot just to make sure that I'm, I haven't picked up any activities or projects that don't really serve me or where I'm going, but at the same time, don't require me to just essentially check out for a week or so.
0: You know what? There's nothing funny about that. I totally understand that um, analogy. And I think that was just well said. Thank um, you. In terms of when you said that you just turn off and you relax, what do you do when you relax? Because I find it hard to relax.
1: You know, um, four months ago, my answer would have been very different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the busyness of pre-COVID, I would snatch moments to read a novel. I love mysteries, just love them. And, um, I would snatch moments to work on craft work, which is something that renews me and rejuvenates me. Since we have been stuck at home with the COVID, I have been allowing myself a lot more relaxation time. And one of the things that I've been doing is, this is embarrassing, but, um, because I've always been, you know, TV is a waste of time. I've been watching a lot more television, Um, not commercial television. I don't have patience for commercial breaks, but I've been watching all of the Marvel movies in order with my daughter. (laughs) 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 And I caught up on my seasons of father Brown and I found a new crime show called death in paradise that I'm just adoring. And I will spend some time watching television with my daughter and doing craft work. So that is my main thing right now because watching television and doing craft work allows my brain to slide into a mode where I'm not thinking and analyzing as I am during the day and with most of my other projects.
0: That's nice. I, I laughed there because I too had to do that whole marathon of Marvel because my I did it last (laughs) year. Actually, my partner, um, she it was i can't remember the the film that came out infinity wars or one of those the big ones mm-hmm. and i was like i told her i was like i really want to watch it and she told me i've not seen like the only marvel film i've seen is like uh iron man one i was like are you serious we have to watch every <laughs> single one before. so we had to do that whole marathon in like four days it was it was it brought uh it was tough times <laughs> That's great. So so right now, so four months ago, if you told yourself that you will sit in front of a TV, you would be like, no way, that's not the law I know. Mm -hmm. Um, So what made you change?
1: I'm not sure that I can really define it. And I've seen a lot of people go through this with the um, isolation orders. People stopped doing all of their outside activities. I know all of my committee meetings were canceled. My Girl Scout meetings were canceled. um, My music rehearsals were canceled. And all of a sudden I had all this free time that had been taken up by other activities. And I've noticed with myself and with other people that I've talked to, people just kind of shut down for a while. And productivity went completely out the window. My accountability partner um, did something very similar, except she binge read an entire series of novels. Um, And it's just, I think people had all of a sudden free time and didn't necessarily know how to fill it. So in my case, you know, my daughter's very much a whatever generation the current teenagers are. um, Mm -hmm. And she does a lot of video games and watching television, um, movies and things. And so I think I just fell into that to spend time with her.
0: That's lovely. And I remember listening to one of your podcasts, you say that uh, you play computer games as well. So are you a gamer?
1: I would not consider myself a gamer. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, I have very little coordination. So (laughs) um, anything that would require me to do Two things at once, like um, she plays a game called Persona Five, where she's jumping and doing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> my speed is essentially Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we did we did both pick up Animal Crossing when it came out at the beginning of the quarantine, and it um, we've played a lot of that, and that has been fun because I've also been playing with my Girl Scouts that I've had very limited interaction with these young women. And so it's a way for us to keep in contact and just kind of spend time together.
0: That's lovely. My partner seems to. My partner loves that game as well. It's ridiculous. I tell <laughs> her just to spend time with me instead of that game. But <laughs> I don't understand what it is. But there is a there is a pull. There is an allure to that uh, to that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to go back to um, a deliberate living. I want to focus on uh, the mentality and the the mindset of a deliberate life. Can you talk more about the foundations for deliberate living?
1: Okay. The the way that I look at deliberate living is making choices and following through on them. And that's why I don't use the phrase intentional. A friend of mine once said to me, you know, three frogs are sitting on the edge of a pond. One intends to jump off. How many are left? And the answer is three, because the best intentions don't come mm. to things you know i've heard so many people say i intend to be such and such you know um, i was joking around with my daughter today when she asked me that question and i said well i intend to write a best selling novel <laughs> i've intended that for 15 years um, but i'm barely any closer to the goal i've made more progress in the last year than i have in the previous 14 But still, it isn't enough just to say I intend to do something. So deliberate living is to make a decision and follow through on it. I deliberately choose what I am going to engage in. I'm going to read a book in the morning that challenges me. I don't intend to do it. I do it. And that is where the deliberate living comes in. So when I look at things in my life, I look at my goals like growth. I want to keep growing personally and mentally. And that means I have to read challenging stuff that is worthwhile reading. So that means every day I find a book or I work on a series of books that I feel will help me either by, I get this series by either talking to other people or reading other blogs. And then I go through and I give myself the challenge of reading it
0: that's lovely. Uh in terms of telling yourself that you're going to follow through, you know, life happens and it throws a curveball and you don't get to do what you set out to do what that you that you said that you were going to do. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with the distractions of life and how do you make sure that you do follow through?
1: I will be perfectly honest and I will tell you that there have been entire evenings lost to no value activities. Um It's difficult to keep myself on track. I don't know if other people struggle with this, but given what I hear from my readers, I think they do. Life does happen, but that doesn't mean you have to necessarily let it happen from internally. There's a difference between distractions and disruptions derailing your goals and your deliberate choices, and there's another one where it comes from internal. So there's two different levels of distractions that you have to deal with in that case, I think.
0: Mm, it's really interesting. You talked earlier about your accountability partner. Mm-hmm. I remember having an accountability partner when I told myself that I was going to learn Swedish and it helped so much. Um, in fact, I uh, uh, previous to this conversation, I was talking to the company Stick where they are an accountability um, company that helps you stick to your goals and Mm -hmm. just the the power of having someone to hold you accountable is so powerful and it's such a a big um motivating factor to push you to push you uh to achieve your goals what made you get your accountability partner and and what is she holding you accountable to
1: my accountability partner wow i've been working with her for so long i've don't really remember what inspired me to get one other than I knew I needed someone to help keep me on track. And I didn't feel any of my friends locally were going to be able to do that. I needed somebody who was also interested in being kept on track. So um, I met this woman through an online forum that we both belonged to And I think we've been working together for about four years. So we talk every Sunday and we give a list of what we have. Well, she will ask me what I, about the things that I told her I was going to do the last week. And I do the same thing. And then we tell each other what we're going to do the next week. And sometimes, I mean, I have bad weeks where I just get nothing done and it's, She's supportive, but yet she will hold me accountable to it, but not in a shaming way. So if I have a really bad week and I tell her about it, she'll be like, okay, so what's the next step for you? What do you need to do? And I enjoy working with her because she is so gentle and keeps me on track in a gentle way. Um, I can be very hard on myself, so I get enough of that from myself and it's mm. kind of a relief to have somebody be gentle and not a stern taskmaster.
0: And how do you deal with that being so hard on yourself, having that, at that pressure on, cause I do that to myself as well. I, you know, I'm really, I hold myself to a high standard and if I fall short of it, I just really, um destructive. And it's such a destructive, ha- destructive habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine so many other people go through that as well. How do you deal with that for yourself?
1: I think the first step was recognizing my perfectionist tendencies and where they came from. Um, my perfectionism is rooted very, very deep in my past where I tried to be perfect so that I could be invisible. And this has translated in my adult life where I don't necessarily crave the invisibility anymore, but I'm still striving per- for perfection. So I try to recognize when I make a mistake. And if I don't, if I can't let it go mentally, I have a group of friends that I can text or call at any point and tell them, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm doing. And they will allow me to talk it out and then give me, you know, the advice of essentially letting it go because you can't change what's in the past. You can only strive to do better. The other thing I do is I have a task that I am universally bad at. And even though I have been doing it for a many, many years, I have not gotten any better. I am a terrible gardener. I kill <laughs> everything. (laughs) And in spite of that, every summer, I prepare my garden boxes, I put my seeds and plants in, and I tend them, and then I watch them die. So (laughs) my daughter asked me a few years ago, you know, why do you keep doing it if you suck at it so badly? And I said, you know what, failure is a really good option for those of us who have perfectionist tendencies. Um, It's interesting because I'm writing a patron article about that at the moment, um, about how failure really has value because it reminds you that you don't always win. Um, There's a lot of our culture that, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Well, no, sometimes you lose. That's life. Mm -hmm. And it also reminds me that just because I'm willing to put in the work and effort doesn't mean I'm going to master something. That's so
0: interesting, because I know that you're classically trained in flute, right? Yes, I am. And so what grade are you? Are you, did you go all the way?
1: Um, I intended, (laughs) there's that word.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is that word.
1: When I went to university to become a music performance artist, and I realized that I wasn't willing to put in the work to obtain the level that I would need to be a successful professional artist. Um, So I am what I call semi-pro. People will hire me to do weddings and church services and things like that, but I do not play with a symphony, and I pretty much play for fun.
0: That's cool. That's a nice mentality to have, but... So you studied really hard to learn an instrument. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, you studied up to a level to learn an instrument and you can see the fruits of your labor. You can play, you can perform. But then when you translate that to your gardening, doesn't, doesn't that give you a sense of frustration that you put all this work in yet it still dies?
1: Well, I think the difference is that the enjoyment for me doesn't come from having the fresh vegetables. That's a bonus, and that would be really nice if it did happen. But to me, the enjoyment of it comes from planning the garden and buying the plants and buying the seeds and just having my fingers in the dirt.
0: That's really nice. That's a really nice mentality to have. It's something that I need to find. I need to find my gardening, something that where I just enjoy the process and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I noticed on your website that you have a lot of 30-day challenges. Can you talk more about that?
1: I started doing 30-day challenges, I think it was in 2019, might have been in 2018. But I wanted to give myself an excuse to get out of my comfort zone and to learn something new. So last year, it was very much focused on getting myself on track and um solidifying my habits my my good habits this year it's about stretching the boundaries and learning things or doing things i might not have done otherwise um i generally work ahead of where the blog is so right now my 30-day challenge is what will appear on the blog in july um this being june so it's a little bit um disconcerting because as I think about 30-day challenges, I'm the ones on the blog are two months past.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but each one that I do is something with a very specific purpose. Um, earlier this year, I did a puzzle a day to try and rev up my um, mental facilities. And I found that at, that actually turned into an unhealthy activity for me. So that was enough for me to say, okay, I'm not going, I can do puzzles on an ad hoc basis, but if I force myself to do them every day, I'm either going to shut down or I'm going to do too many.
0: So what was unhealthy about it? Just the, the need to complete it all.
1: It was, it was, I was, I've done one, now let's do another and let's do another. And so when I'm working on my phone. I have to be very careful and I have limits set on most software so that I don't lose hours to things. And there were times when I was losing hours to playing Sudoku during that challenge.
0: Interesting. Yes, just like, um, just like yourself, I too put a lot of limits and blockers on my computer and phone and my partner thinks I'm crazy. But I just see how these devices, although they're amazing, they can just pull you in and just um, pull your attention away. What kind of blockers do you use and um, can you recommend any?
1: I have an iPhone, so I absolutely love the built-in app limitations. I can set how many hours, minutes, or whatever that for groups of applications or select applications based on day or an entire week. Um, Pinterest is a really dangerous place for me to be because I can lose, you know, four or five hours in Pinterest if I'm not having something check me. And so on my phone, I'm allowed 10 minutes a day, except on Fridays where I allow myself 20 minutes because I have to pull my statistics for the blog. Um, so I'm really strict about using that and all of my, um, portable devices are synced to that account. So I use an iPad. So that also picks up on the limits. I do not allow myself to play any computer game on the phone for more than 10 minutes a day. Because when Mario Kart came out, which again is very much my speed because it's one finger, um, I, I would sit down and I'd lose two hours. And that's just not a productive use of my time. So on the computer, I use something called LeachBlock, and that will actually stop me from going to websites. So I have it so that I do not go to any of the time-wasting websites, and for me, that's usually social media, even though I limit what I do in social media to the blog. I don't do any personal social media. And I use RescueTime as well, and that emails me a report every week that allows me to see what I've been doing on my computer and how well I've been doing as far as categories of usage.
0: It's so great to hear someone else um, talk about their their the ways to limit distractions, because what you said is pretty much something along the lines that I've done with my life as well, in terms of rescue time and reports and everything. I too actually use leech block on my computer because I can get sucked in on youtube more specifically watching nba videos mm. and watching nba highlights and those highlights are like 10 minutes a video and i can easily watch three which means i've lost half an hour of my time but it's so powerful right leash block just to um to stop you from from getting sucked in and making the most of your time yes it's such such a powerful thing does your does your family do they uh, in, incorporate that mentality as well? Or do they think you're a little nuts?
1: I think they think I'm nuts.
0: Yeah, I get that too. So we're, <laughs> we're both in the same boat. <laughs> so with everything that's going on, and now that you're um, spending more time with your family at home, do you have you incorporated any new habits that have been fulfilling?
1: Yes, actually, I have. I working from home i used to work 8 to 4:30 out of the office and take a half hour for lunch and since i've been working from home i bumped back my start time so i can take a full hour for lunch and my daughter and i have been walking outside whenever the weather permits um so that has been a really good habit and i have been tracking my food more i When I'm working in IT, so there's a joke in IT that programmers turn caffeine into code. (laughs) And I had a really, really unhealthy level of caffeine addiction and intake right before all of the COVID stuff started. I mean, it was to the point where my eye was twitching because I was taking in so much caffeine. So I've been able to track my caffeine and scale it back. And I've also been eating better and not relying on fat and sugar to keep me going because I now have healthy choices instead of a vending machine. So those are two very positive things. I have also been reading more nonfiction and less fiction um, for many, many years. Oh, it's got to be at least 25 years. I've tracked everything that I've read by month and normally, I would read four or five fiction books a month. Now, these are small books. They're not exactly mentally challenging. As much as I love murder mysteries, they're not, um, they are not—they don't require a whole lot of thought. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so I have not been reading as much of that low-value activity, and I've been doing more like reading. I'm preparing for a Microsoft exam, so I'm doing more reading in that area, and I've been Reading more about um, just general self-growth topics, not so much about productivity because I really haven't seen anything new come out recently, but more about managing your time and your goals, I think, is where I've been most focused
0: That's interesting. And in terms of, you've talked about it already in terms of software and tools that help you stay on top of your day. Are there any other particular tools that you use?
1: Hmm. Um, I am a big fan of Remember the Milk. That is my lifeblood. Um, Everything that I do goes in there from various sources, and that's where I operate from. So that particular tool is what keeps me going day by day and keeps me on track. If I don't but, write it down, I forget it.
0: Yeah, I've heard of Remember the Milk, and I remember um, checking it out. But I think I've just so, I've got my own systems in place that I'm too scared to, to make the change. Can you, can you sway me?
1: <laughs> I will say that if your system is working for you, that it's probably not the time to stir things up just to check out a new tool. I don't think that people should start looking for a new way of doing things unless there's something significantly missing from their current system. My accountability partner um, went back to using paper with sticky notes to manage her days, and that works for her. Every time I have checked out a new idea with the thought that there might be something better, I end up just losing a lot of time and effort and going back to what I had before. So I'm not so sure that you necessarily need to change unless something's seriously wrong with your productivity system. Task managers are a dime a dozen and I've been using remember the milk for years and I like it. And I like the little cow. Um, I'm (laughs) from, I'm from a part of the country where cows are populous. And so, you know, that was a big selling point for me. I hate to say, (laughs) um, But, you know, pretty much all tasks lists do essentially the same thing.
0: That's great advice. I'm glad that you didn't sway me there because I can get stuck. I think just trying out new um, productivity task managers can be another way for me just to waste my time. And in the end, like you said, just go back to my normal system. I know that. Oh, sorry, Laura, you carry on.
1: That's the dangerous part of doing those type of tasks because it feels like you're being productive, but you're not.
0: It really does, doesn't it? You feel like you can validate this this one hour or two hours to trying to refine your system. But in reality, you should have just stuck to your system and spent those two hours on something else, which is more productive.
1: Mm-hmm. Very much so.
0: So I know that you're the productivity guru, but who has turned into more of a deliberate life. But can you give any decent productivity tips that you think are ideal for any of the listeners out there?
1: Um, First, I would say if, if you have a productivity system and people are using it and they insist that you follow every single step or you're doing it wrong, Those productivity enthusiasts need to be avoided like the plague. (laughs) Um, Each person is individual and no one system out of the box is going to work for everyone. So being truly productive means knowing what your habits are and what you need to, to support yourself in the productivity journey. Um, So, As much as I respect David Allen and getting things done and he's got some great ideas, I am not a getting things done enthusiast because it doesn't work for me out of the box. There are aspects of his system that I use. So I think people who are looking to be more productive, if they have a system in place that works, maybe look at the areas that don't quite work as well as, be desired and then look at solutions for those particular things rather than throwing everything out and trying a new system. Um, I think it's also important to not be realistic about what you can and can't do during a day. There was a time where I would have a full day of work followed by a full night of meetings and then still have 20 things on my to-do list. And that's just not realistic from the time that you need to spend. Um, You you can't cram 20 tasks that each take a half hour into an hour. You know, math doesn't work that way. Mm. So I think it's important to understand what your load is and what you have available and to also not schedule every single minute of the day and evening because that ends up being counterproductive in the long
0: run. That's some great advice right there. I know that you said that you don't have any social media, but can you point and direct people to where we can find you?
1: You can find me on my website, LauraErnest.com. And Ernest is E-A-R-N-E-S-T. And um, I do have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube presence. They are all available on the blog. Most of what goes out there is related to the blog um Instagram I do put some photos I my last 30 day challenge was putting photos up um that was a challenge in and of itself trying to walk the line between privacy and public <laughs> sure. so um but everything can be found on the blog including the podcast and my um my freebies I don't really want to call them freebies because I do ask for an email list or an email address in exchange but the things that are available for an email address are there as well.
0: Lovely. Well, Laura, I've had so much fun talking to you. The more I talk to you, the more I realize that you and I are very similar, that we cherish our time. We cherish um, essentially being productive so that we could be lazy. Um, But it's to be lazy to do other things, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to talk to you um, just more about other things, about uh, computing, programming, and just uh, uh, an efficient life and deliberate life as well. So thank you for joining the podcast. I've had so much fun.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed talking to you.
0: Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you want to find all the relevant links and show notes, you can find them over at forward podcast. Thanks again, and I will see you on the next one.